Welcome to Eye Level Conversations, where we have conversations that anyone can engage in regardless of age. I'm Alicia Brown. I'm Alex Floyd. And we're prevention specialists at Sumter Behavioral Health Services. Today, we have Charlotte Drayton. She is a clinical counselor here at Sumter Behavioral Health Services, focusing on adolescent and family services. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, we're so excited to have you. Uh, you're our first guest. So Woo, awesome. Good for you. Good for us. Um, so what we're going to talk about a little bit today is coping during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that it's a strange time for everybody, um, but in the mental and behavioral health realm, it seems to be a little bit more challenging. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and um, some of the things that you do as a counselor here. Fabulous. Good. Okay. Okay, well, just jumping, I guess, right into it um, for our first question. What do you have a special specialty like? Um, so, you know, like Alicia was saying, I'm the adolescent behavioral therapist, but I think that what I really enjoy working with are mood disorders, you know, bipolar disorder, um, a lot with anxiety and depression. And, you know, of course, that's part and parcel with what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our facility, Sumter Behavioral, um, treatment where I am, we give counseling for people who are struggling with substance use disorders. And so that is a huge focus for all of us. But for me personally, I really like to deal with the co-occurring disorders. Mm-hmm. So people who are abusing substances, but also dealing with anxiety and depression. And, you know, are my issues related to the substance use or are they something I was born with? Mm-hmm. Is it something about the community I'm growing up with? And, um, and you know, kind of trying to help the client know where where their their struggle is really coming from um to kind of um you know conceptualize their concern in that way so um really you know i'm at about year three of being a counselor here and so if you give it to me i will nerd out and enjoy you know trying to explore and getting to know what that client is dealing with but um but it seems like so many of us have a lot of overlapping problems Mm -hmm. um you know we all come Um, from different places i'm still learning a lot i think that all Clinicians are always learning a lot. Um, and so for me, if I haven't experienced a specific situation, um, it's it's an opportunity to learn and grow and explore. And um, I like to do that along with the client. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that makes you more well-rounded when you are keep constantly learning. There's not anything, there's no cap on learning when it comes to counseling and substance use disorder right. and all mental health and those kind of things. Everything's forever changing. That's exactly um, right. So yeah, I think it's good that we're always trying to learn and, and, and know more. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I know you said that you work with adolescents. Um, so does your scope, like how, so you start with, how does it work? Like if I were to want counseling services, I think some, you know, I'm, something's, stressing me out. I have anxiety about something. How does that process work for you? Okay. So, you know, in the adolescent world, a lot of the time I'm, I'm getting referrals either through parents or through agencies, the kids have come to. Okay. And so I'll get, you know, somebody who has been sent to me from the school administration or from DJJ in a lot of cases, I get a lot of kids from DJJ and, um, you know, typically to start that process, they would call and schedule an assessment with me. And then I would sit and have, um, you know, basically what we call a biopsychosocial assessment. So um, I'm getting to know all the different parts of your life, all of, you know, a little bit at a time, obviously, throughout our relationship. But that early, early interview is to kind of find out what is really going on right now. Um, and based on that assessment, we then determine what we're really going to be focusing on in treatment moving forward. Um, and so, you know, it, every once in a while, I will get a kid who has said to their parent, 
you know, something is really not feeling right. I, I think I need to talk to somebody. I love that situation yeah. because a lot of kids tend to be very resistant, mm-hmm. um, at least resistant to speaking to adults. And anyone who knows me knows that I am not an adult. I got that part taken care of. I had a client say to me the other day, you know what, Miss Charlotte? I think that you like this and you're good at it because you're kind of just like me, you know, like a 15 year old. (laughs) I was like, I think that's a compliment. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. (laughs) So yeah, basically, I mean, long story short, we start with an assessment. We get down to what's going on. um, And if we come up with new, um, if we uncover some new things, new problems throughout getting to know each other, that's the, that's part of the process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that uh, you get referrals from parents, too, from yeah. kids that have that are just deciding, hey, something's not right. I need to see somebody right. because there's such a stigma surrounding that. Yes. Um, a lot of times we are learned, we talk as a child, just kind of suppress it or, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have time for these feelings or they're not valid, those kind of things. So I think it's important for parents to understand and listen when the child is saying right. this is something is up. I'm so happy you mentioned that. I think that that is one of the biggest obstacles that we tend to have when it comes to feelings, we think that to address them is to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and vulnerability is weakness. Yeah. And so what you have are kids growing up repressing and pushing down feelings like they are either watching their parents do or being told to do mm-hmm. by the adults in their lives. Um, and at some point I always say to my kids who I work with, feelings refuse to be ignored. They just go down to the basement and do push-ups, right. you know, and then come back, they leak out of you one way or another And so to teach a kid, hey, you can talk about this, you can say it out loud. I think that in this world, we are, at least in, in, you know, the sort of broad, whatever you want to call the American culture, we are getting better and better at accepting that dialogue is important and really necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it's slow progress, as with all things. And so, yeah, when I have a parent who takes their kid in, I will I will validate that parent for that move yeah. for that action. You yeah, know? I think, I think it's important. important for them. Yep, absolutely. Well, I was going to say too, just them being able to open up like that to you and say like, "Hey, you're almost like me." You know, that's important for them because like usually sometimes you know kids when they go to an adult, they don't really want to open up and just you know let out their feelings and stuff like that. So that's awesome that you can like sit there and they open up to you like that. Well, and, you know, it's something I pride myself on, really, particularly with the kids coming from BJJ. Um, we have to consider the community we're working in. Mm-hmm. And we work in a community where there are a lot of kids who are marginalized. There are a lot of kids who are statistics. Um, they have been labeled, you know, a a bad kid or a troublemaker from a young age. And so they've fit into that label, um, consciously or unconsciously. And so who am I to say that sitting down with them and telling them how to live differently is going to make them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my job. It's not, it, my job is not to tell them what their goals are. It's to know what their goals are and to work with them respectfully right. to find out how to get, you know, how to achieve those in the long run. Um, and, you know, again, a kid coming through DJJ, what they know of adults typically is they're here to punish me. Mm-hmm. And if I tell them the, the uh, naughty, nitty gritty side of what I've been doing with my life outside of home or the reasons I'm skipping school, inevitably things are going to be worse for me. Right. And so I try to emphasize without enabling bad or destructive behavior, I try to emphasize really, really quickly, hey, I'm not DJJ and I'm not mom. That doesn't mean that your safety is not the most important thing to me, but but I will always, always be honest with you. If you need to talk to me, I will always tell you this is staying between us or, hey, I have to, I have to let somebody know about mm-hmm. this. 
And I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. What I've really, really experienced is that that little bit of effort and attention to that issue. Yeah. It's just that easy. It, it makes them open up so much more quickly. Um, and, you know, I'm 35, but I, again, 15, yeah. um, you know, I feel, I, I still think that I remember what it was like to be a powerless adolescent. Yeah. I don't think that I knew that was what was so troublesome for me when I was younger, but putting yourself back in the shoes of a kid who every decision is made for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time they aren't given the respect or, or, you know, the consideration for knowing why that's even happening. Yeah. You know, it's just incredibly difficult. And so we get exposed to things through our peers and then who do we talk to about it? Yeah. You know, um, that's honestly why we came up with eye level conversations mm-hmm. because when you think of, when young people think of talking to adults, parents, counselors, us, whoever, mm-hmm. they think that they're superior. They're automatically, my my thoughts are not important enough mm-hmm. to kind of speak to these people. So um, one of the things we want to do is kind of bring the conversation down to their level to where they can understand or where they feel comfortable bringing up these topics to parents or parents to the, to the young person. Because sometimes you can learn from these young people mm-hmm. if you just take the time to listen. That's so. exactly right. And you also can never treat a kid without treating the family yeah. uh, or at least the adults in their lives. Um, and I don't want to rush into to bringing this around to, to coping through COVID, um, but, but, you know, just to sort of segue into that, consider how much these kids' lives have changed right now. They used to have, I mean, apart from the fact that our routine is just completely flipped upside yeah. down, um, but they used to have other adults in their lives. Mm-hmm. They used to have other people they could go to, other places they could go and socialize. And right now it is, you are at home and you are with the people at home. Yep. And for some folks, that is not a supportive place. Um, You know, whether or not it's intentional on the part of the adults, these kids' problems, and everybody has problems. I have to insert that in Mm -hmm. here. Um, But but kids who have issues, who are coming for counseling, those problems don't stop because they can't go outside as as often as they used to. You know, if anything, they just may in some cases feel more trapped or have less attention to their needs um, because suddenly an adult who is really modeling something positive for them isn't present anymore every day. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I, again, take my role really seriously because I can still, I can still manage to provide that for them, even if it's only over the phone right mm-hmm. now, you know? Yeah. Um, that was, that kind of goes into what I was going to ask you, how that, how has that changed for you? Mm-hmm. I know your clients have, aren't able to come into building, you know, anymore mm-hmm. and, the problems are still there. Like you say, even though the world is slowed down, mm-hmm. life hasn't. So right. what? how does that look different for you now? That's that's a really good question. It's one that I've given a lot of attention to. Um, when we first started giving services over the phone, um, for a minute, I was just like, this is such a bummer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I get so much energy from being with my kids in the room yeah. or even with the families, you know, um, I just, I, I kind of absorb energy from people. And so to make a phone call. And, you know, a lot of the time they're playing video games on the other <laughs> end. And I'm kind of like, hello. Um, it's it, You just don't get the same kind of connection in that moment at first. But like with anything, if you're willing to adapt, there is a way to adapt to the circumstance. And so I, I found that with a couple of the kids, particularly those who I had a chance to really develop a rapport with, um, you know, they'll be pacing around their house like, oh, hold on a second. Um, you know, let me wait until mom goes to the bathroom and yeah. then I'll answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that is really different is that I, I can't take them out of the environment where a problem is happening to talk to them about it. Right. Um, and I, I think that in some cases that's no big deal. And in other cases, 
um, it, it's kind of unfortunate, you know, mm-hmm. particularly a kid who's dealing with trauma to be able to bring them into my office and step away from all of this stuff that was bothering them or triggering them or hurting them and into that safe space, safe space where it was just me and them. Um, it was so, it was just a, a really healing experience on different levels. Mm-hmm. And now if I'm only speaking to them over the phone, I will give it my all. And some of them will give it their all too. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying, okay, bye-bye now, you know, just sort of ending in there still where all of that stuff was brought up. Um, I have to be very careful about that. I have to make sure that I don't pull too much out of somebody um, to the extent that they aren't able to ground themselves back to where they need to be so that they can go on with the rest of their day happily or with some healing. Um, But yeah, I I will say for me personally, it's tough to not have them present. I miss some of them terribly Mm -hmm. too. I've got several kids who I just, I love all of them. Um, And, you know, there are some who they show up because they're made to. (laughs) And then there are a lot of them who DJJ closed their case and they still come to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and it's that's incredibly meaningful and thinking about them i get emotional right now because i've i've had this time away from so many of them for so long Mm -hmm. and they're no longer being made to come to counseling but something made them feel better and so when i get on the phone with them it's like talking to my nieces or nephews you know there is a closeness there and so yeah we've adapted um i think that for kids it is just much different for the reasons i was saying earlier you know, whether when we're looking at very young kids, because I work with some, you know, eight, nine year olds, um, their problems differ from a 16, 17 year old. Mm-hmm. And people tend to think that the older high schoolers are more resilient in the face of something like this, that <clears throat> that, you know, not a whole lot should be different. Um, they can kind of get through it and just, you know, like I said, adapt. Yeah. But the fact is that for some of them, they were really building some momentum toward getting graduated from school, yeah. you know. Um, there was some positive change happening and this, you know, having everything just kind of screech to a dead halt in in terms of routine can, can really, really kill that momentum if, if the adults in their life aren't proactive. Right. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's my answer. (laughs) That was good. Do you have anything else? Uh, I was going to say, um, we kind of hit on what the kids are doing and how they're dealing with, do you know anything about how the adults are dealing with um, yeah. situation right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, and like I said, I don't, I work with kids, but I also work with families in general. Um, I get a lot of cases through DSS too. Um, and so again, depending on the reason you're coming for counseling, uh, everything sort of looks different, but all of us are really coming to the point where we're experiencing something called quarantine fatigue now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the isolation there, there are those of us who love to be able to sit around all day and watch TV, but we don't want to be made to do it. Right. We want that to be a treat. It feels <laughs> a little bit different when somebody tells you to. Exactly. <laughs> when you don't have options. Uh-huh. Um, and so for a lot of adults, what, what I'm experiencing more sadly is a rise in domestic violence. Um, there is less crime overall going on in the world, but what, what I'm seeing a lot more of is when there are, is verbal or psychological abuse going on. Um, the, the venue for that is just a lot more constant. And so, um, anxiety is increasing, um, for the folks out there who are not able to still work, obviously financial worries, you know, are, are a huge, huge issue. Um, and so, you know, but just purely on a mental health and, um, an emotional health level, I think that 
the lack of routine is the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I work on with every one of my clients, regardless of their their disorder or their presenting problem, is is you know what does my weekly routine look like? What what kind of activity is in there? How much stimulation am I getting? Mm-hmm. And do I feel fulfilled by it? Because we can stay very busy and not do very meaningful things, right? Um, and so to to be active is giving us, I mean, there, there are healthy outlets throughout all those experiences when you cannot go out, when you don't live in a neighborhood where you can jog around mm-hmm. um, and you can't go and talk to people and get that human connection. Um, I think it's just incredibly difficult and there's just so much uncertainty. Yeah. And I don't think, I, so that right there comes back to the difficulty of being a very young person is think about the degree of uncertainty and how much that correlates with anxiety. Mm-hmm. To be an adult and have so much uncertainty and then people depending on you. Yeah. Um, it's it's so, it's it's just incredibly difficult. But the sheer act of talking about it can make it so much more tolerable. Mm-hmm. So. I was going to say, um, I'll just say it again. Um, <laughs> since we were talking about um, quarantine fatigue, can you kind of touch on, like, what are some tips to kind of get through this little um fatigue right now. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it I already just kind of briefly addressed, um, but I'll elaborate on that stuff. Um, staying active is important. We can find a way to keep routine in our lives, even if it has adjusted. Um, different people have different levels of adaptability. And so, um, you know, it's easy for me to say to somebody, Hey, stay positive, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I've got some coping skills that come with my daily life, my job. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what I think is most important is that we try to find opportunities for connection and for activity wherever we can. No, we cannot go to the library. We can't go, you know, um, to a concert or like, you know, stuff ourselves into the grocery store just willy nilly. But we can be on the phone with people. We can find different activities at home, um, particularly for those who live in a safer neighborhood or a neighborhood that has a lot more space to walk. What I'm seeing more and more of is people playing together again outside. Mm-hmm. Um, that, guys, that's a beautiful thing to see again. I mean, I'm again, being 35, I feel like I kind of came at the end of the generations who like still played outside at night Yeah, and, you know, just you ran around with your friends and got into who knows what and to the parents didn't, you know, constantly worry about what you were up to, which may or may not have been great, <laughs> but, but the truth is that, that we have to be staying active. And so if you are finding yourself kind of wallowing and just being, being stationary, just sitting there and feeling isolated find a reason to wake yourself up at the same time every morning. And so, you know, if if you're noticing that you're sleeping later and later in the day or kind of lying around more and more, just based on the laws of physics, you are going to get more tired doing that. And so, you know, I I told somebody the other day, is is nine o'clock too early for you? No. Okay. So set your alarm, get up at nine o'clock every morning and make your bed first thing and take a shower, put on your clothes like you are still going out and living your life. Right. Um, simple stuff like that. It doesn't have to cost money and it doesn't have to be that complicated, but give yourself a regular routine so that you are getting up and going to bed at the same time every day and uh, schedule in specific time to say, go for a run, um, or bike ride, you know, Mm -hmm. and of course replace that with, you know, insert your favorite physical activity. Um, but I just think that some some folks think that it's got to be something very, very complicated. And when something seems complicated, it becomes daunting and then we don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of keeping yourself moving. 
Um, you know, I mean, what is, what is some kind of a craft or hobby that you have never had time to try before? I've started painting again, Yeah, you know, and I'm not any good at it and that's fine because nobody's coming around to look at it anyway. (laughs) So, but I'm getting a lot out of it, you know? Um, and and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would, for each client that I talk to, part of my job is to individualize that plan a little bit better based on what they love to do and what makes them happy. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, if you sit down and you kind of work it out and I don't mean, okay, from now on, I'm going to get up and run every week. I mean, on Thursday afternoons at five o'clock, I'm going to go out for a one mile run, make it specific, you know, because we like to work our way out of non-specific goals. Yeah. Um, and so make it something specific. Um, and you know, check in with yourself. If you, if you feel like you are becoming just sadder or less interested in what's going on around you, um, I mean, by all means, obviously I'm biased, but call a counselor. Mm-hmm. It is just, it, it is as easy as that to call Sumter Behavioral Health, um, you know, ask the front desk who you can talk to about maybe, you know, just getting some help because you're feeling a little depressed or anxious. And without even having to schedule an appointment, somebody will give you some options, mm-hmm. you know, for going down that road. We'll help you figure out what it is that you, that you can do to feel better. Um, but I just, yeah, I think that, I, I think that we just have to be a little proactive. Yeah. Yeah. I think because COVID stopped our routine, um, I think it's important that you said to create one. Right. You may not have your traditional routine, like get up, go to work, you know, those kind of things, pick the kids up or whatever you have to do. Right. But we can create some sort of routine. Right. Some people are still working from home. So get up and work, do work from nine to 12, take a lunch break like you normally would. Exactly. So I think that's important that we can still have a routine. Mm-hmm. All routine is not lost. Right. So I think right. I like that. I like yep. I, you know, another thing that we've started doing at home, my husband and I started getting HelloFresh. Now, granted, you don't have to order food and, you know, have it brought to you, but think of a couple of new recipes that you've never created yeah. before, you know, and, um, and just cook. I mean, heck, who doesn't love food? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you just it takes it a little creative. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to know if the new way of doing treatment over the phone, uh, virtually, whatever, mm-hmm. however you're doing it, do you think that, um, that people would be more apt to seek treatment because they don't have to come see a person. I think that that's a huge thing. That's another issue that we experience here a lot is people do not always have um, reliable transportation, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, a huge obstacle for some folks. And, you know, our schedules, generally speaking, are busy, you know, particularly for parents, even kids these days. Mm -hmm. We always have something going on. And self-care does not come first for most I mean, I don't care what what culture in the United States you're talking about. We do not take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. the way we need to. We feel like self-care is a luxury Mm -hmm. rather than a responsibility. And and so taking the time to go to a counselor just to talk about our feelings seems like something that really like that's got to come way, way after all the other Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, But being able to just pick up a phone, you're not having to get in the car, go anywhere. The commute is out of the equation. Um, and so I think in that way, there's also a safety being in your own personal space. Um, if it's something that, you know, feels a little anxiety inducing for somebody to go to an office, mm-hmm. I've had people show up and say to me like, oh my gosh, I was so nervous coming here. And yeah. I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's just me, <laughs> but they don't know who I am. And so, 
So it being in your own safe space, it makes people a lot more comfortable in some cases. Um, and, you know, online therapy, um, you know, there are apps and things coming out now. People mm-hmm. are doing stuff not through Skype, but through, you know, telehealth. Yeah. Um, that's something that's been increasingly popular over the last several years. And I think that a lot of folks in the counseling world who are traditionalists, um, we aren't crazy about it all the time because I can't always, like I said, I, I can't get the same kind of intimacy or see the same behavioral cues and twitches mm-hmm. as I can when you're right there with me. But for the client, if they're just as comfortable, it's about what they're getting out of right. it, you know? And so, yeah, I do think that, that them being able to access it just over the phone in the comfort of their own home mm-hmm. is probably for a lot of people. I'm staying busier right now, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Yep. I think personally, I think that would be my first choice mm-hmm. because I'm the one that I don't want to call Pizza Hut. Yeah. I want to order online so nobody ever has to talk to me. Um, I want to pick my food up from Walmart and they just put it in my trunk. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm that type of person. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like my extroverted friends are just like, I want to talk to my mailman. Right. So I think I think that it would be helpful for people like me. I think mm-hmm. it depends on personality, of course, but yeah. I will be definitely more willing to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm not feeling so well today. How can you help me? Right. It also builds a relationship to where when we can go back into your office, mm-hmm. I'll know who you are. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that an option, I mean, I think every great experience and event in life gives us an opportunity for some kind of insight that we wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. It, we might learn from this that having the option is something that is really worth pushing. Um, because I, I can tell you half of my clients who I get on the phone regularly, who are sent to me by somebody else who aren't really there voluntarily are picking up the phone every time I call now. And it used to be a lot of no shows in those situations. And so uh, there, all of the evidence right now in my personal experience points to this is preferable for people. That's great. Yeah. And uh, you know, there, like you said, there are definitely those extroverted people who want that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, but but if if you are not one of those people, then like being able to just like stay in your PJs, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not have to face somebody there. I think, you know, going back to what we were saying about the stigma, mm-hmm. I think that there are folks who still feel shame sitting and talking with a therapist. I mean, even going to my therapist at times, because therapists should have therapists at some <laughs> point, even going to my therapist, I have, I have heard myself sort of um, you know, kind of de-emphasizing certain points just to kind of, you know, look more all together. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I mean, I know better than that. Yeah. I know we don't need to do that. Gotcha. But I also need to feel safe and comfortable in that relationship. So, yeah, if I'm in my PJs, I'll probably at least be more comfortable. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, jumping back on, like, the self-care thing. Because, like, even, like, for myself, like, you know, I've been having to go to the chiropractor lately and that's mm. self-care for myself. And yep. like before I've always just waved it off and I was like, I don't need to go. I don't need mm-hmm. to do this. And right. then like, you know, my wife's like, no, you need to go and do this. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, knowing that you have to take that self-care, whether it's physical or mental, right. you know, is a big step for people. And so like I said, even for myself, that was a big step because I've mm-hmm. always just pushed it or suppressed it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can suck it up basically. Right. And people think they can do that with their feelings at exactly. the same time. And so, like you said, it just like, builds up and it goes down the basement, builds itself up right. and it just leaks out. Yeah. 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 And, and, so. and when you are not really addressing your feelings actively in, in the moment that is convenient for you, they will leak out of you. I mean, think about a day that you've been so tired and something has really been stressing you out and suddenly you've just burst into tears and you feel like a hot mess. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that everybody, many people at least have been there. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if something isn't dire, 
we don't deal with it right away. And we do think that feelings will just kind of go. And, and so you just totally hit the nail on the head. We, we, our feelings are one of those things that we do not prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't take them very seriously in some cases. And, 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 you know, the world is getting to know better and better now, fortunately. Um, but there's also an issue that I see with, with folks. And, you know, I, being a person, I have experienced this too. Um, not really knowing what my feelings are. You know, I, it's, it's uncomfortable. I know that. I know that it has led to some arguments or some, you know, bad days. But I don't know. Am I angry? Am I anxious? Mm-hmm. Am I sad? All of our feelings express themselves differently. And so the great thing about a counselor is they can help you determine what you're really experiencing and why, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you are at home and and you are sort of feeling isolated, you're probably kind of stewing in those feelings. You know, folks who are dealing with depression and anxiety during a pandemic in isolation, you know, we do that what we call rehearsal, where we sit there and we just think about the details of something stressing us out over and over again. Mm-hmm. Until it just feels like it's going to drive us crazy, you know, and if you're experiencing something like that, who wouldn't want to break from it, you know, and and, and I think that the other problem, um, the other obstacle with getting good counseling is that folks think about the cost, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the time treatment is not free. And in some places you think about private practice therapists who charge you now 120 bucks an hour. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't afford that. Yeah. And so one great thing, and of course, I'm sitting here pushing Sumter Behavioral, but one great thing is that we take Medicaid and we've got payment plans. You know, we can help people with that. And you're still getting quality care. If I had known about that at points like when I was in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. which I call the quarter life crisis, if I'd had that kind of option, I'd have snatched it up so fast, let me tell you. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people, a lot of people are just... It's not even just a fear of feeling weak. It's a fear of putting themselves out in the long run, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about um, payment plans and those kind of things because that's yeah. one barrier that people just like, I can't afford that without even seeking it to right. see how much it even right. costs. So. There's not even price shopping. It's just, you know, all I ever hear is, is cha-ching over yeah. and over. And so, you know, I can't blame them for that. I mean, life, again, isn't free. And for those folks who are out there not working right now, mm-hmm. This, I mean, counseling would almost seem frivolous. Yeah. And so the fact is, what we're getting at here is that right now it is as important as ever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Alex um, mentioned self-care and how going to the chiropractor was self-care mm-hmm. for him, which I love because a lot of times when we think about self-care, we think about going to get our nails done, right. going to the spa, <laughs> um, and those kind of things. But it could also be getting moving, like you said. That could mm-hmm. be a part of self-care, like taking a walk and clearing your head. Right. Um, so as a counselor, what do you do for self-care? So for me, um, first of all, I never, I, I really try not to take my day home with me. Um, and that is not because I'm able to stop caring. It's because um, I have to, for the sake of my clients, be able to compartmentalize. If I if I take problems home with me and I stew on them and fester and become overwhelmed, then I'm not a good therapist to them at some point. Um, and so for me, I need to be able to utilize my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for instance, my supervisor. Um, every every therapist has a colleague they go to to sort of process more difficult cases or just what you know what they are dealing with among their caseload. Um, just to make sure that they're still in a healthy place with it. You know, mm-hmm. I go to a therapist um, and, you know, sometimes we talk about family and sometimes we just, it seems like probably don't really talk about anything that's mm-hmm. all that, but it, it feels great mm-hmm. because I'm getting it out of my head. Um, eating well and staying active are huge for me because 
I actually happen to be hypoglycemic. And so I can get very, very fatigued if I just sit around. Um, it is, it's just not even negotiable. I have got to have a routine or I will sleep later and later every day. And I will just lie there and sort of become like, you know, another pillow among the pillows on the couch. (laughs) So, so yeah, you know, I got married a year ago and, and I'm a lot better with, you know, with a buddy. And so I, my husband and I, we go running together, Mm -hmm. you know, we lift each other up in that way. That's another thing, having somebody to do things with. Um, who cares about you and your happiness, um, you know, ideally we could all have that. Um, but if we don't, you know, then it comes down to loving yourself mm-hmm. and being that support. Um, and so, yeah, right now I feel I feel a lot of gratitude. And I think that some of my self-care does involve keeping up the, as I say, attitude of gratitude. Yeah. I've, I've got to think daily about how lucky I am to be working to have the job that I love, um, and, and to be able to come up with things that, that keep me motivated and happy every day, mm-hmm. because it just isn't that easy for everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, I go to a therapist and I talk out my feelings and so I don't just push it on other people. I take my own medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Um, I think one of the last questions I had, cause I'm very big on staying up to date with drug trends. I, I mm-hmm. try to stay up to date. I try to tell people like what's going on, what their teens into. And so I was going to say, um, what do you see with your teens that you counsel? What yeah. are they into right now? You know, um, just in terms of which drugs or which it's, uh, I mean, obviously marijuana across the board. Um, vaping of course has been a huge thing. Um, and you know, anybody who's been keeping up with the news a lot lately knows that there have been a lot of dangers with vaping and THC, Um, but you know, a lot of my kids are self-medicating anxiety with marijuana. Um, and they just have no way of knowing whether or not they will ultimately be dependent on substances Mm -hmm. because it's not something you can't, you can't predict the future. And when it comes down to being dependent or addicted to something, you know, we, we all start out experimenting. Everybody starts out just trying something. What, what separates the the future addict from somebody who then just kind of puts it down and goes about their life. Um, Only time can tell. And so, yeah, a lot of my kids who are using, you know, of course there's a sort of peer influence, but across the board, they all have either some depression or some anxiety or some bipolar disorder. And there aren't enough folks in their lives recognizing like, Hey, we've got someone crying out for help here. They're just getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just getting, sent to the principal's office or sent to DJJ. I will say on behalf of DJJ here in Sumter County, those folks care about the kids in this town. It is incredible. It is uh, so profound to see how far they will go to protect one individual kid upon another, upon another. Um, No kid is, uh, is a number in according to DJJ, as far as I've experienced so far. And so, um, yeah, the trends really, Marijuana, also, um, you know, stimulants like Adderall, mm-hmm. Vyvanse, you know, they're kind of borrowing from each other. And because it makes them feel good, they think it's, well, that right there says it's working. It's working yeah. And we've got some, you know, we've got a history of kind of misdiagnosing or overdiagnosing certain things. And so a lot of kids who have a hard time focusing, ADHD is kind of thrown at, at whatever's going on there. But what people don't tend to realize is ADHD, the symptoms look so, so, so similar to bipolar disorder. And in a lot of cases, anxiety, that if you don't really, really take the time to get get to know that kid 
and to talk about them and what they're experiencing and why they're having a hard time focusing. Um, yeah, it would be so easy to say it's ADHD. Yeah. But anxiety causes fo- focus problems. Depression causes focus problems. You know, poor sleep and poor routine makes focus hard. Mm-hmm. And therein lies a source of, for some kids, anger. You know, um, there's just so much that can come out of that. And so, you know, I always say to people, we all have insights about ourselves and about our kids that nobody else can have. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like being an armchair psychiatrist, (laughs) just just please defer to a professional (laughs) (laughs) before, you know, it's just it's one of those things that that, you know, your kid and you know yourself better than anybody. But sometimes. I am too close to myself to see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I need an outside perspective. And so I worry about the kids here who are using, you know, substances to cope. And instead of being brought to a counselor and instead of that counselor really, really trying to get to know them, it's just, you know, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just a troublemaker. Right. No kid is just a troublemaker. And that's the bottom line. Um, every kid is is a kid, you know, I mean, again, dealing with powerlessness, dealing with not having the answers or the insight. And it is not rocket science to just sit down and have a chat, you know, and to say to them, Hey, I'm not a cop. You can tell me, Yeah, you know? And so that's now, again, that's, you know, kind of part of my, my particular process. But, um, but yeah, I would say that when it comes to the harder, harder drugs, I don't usually start seeing that kind of thing until we get into adulthood, you know, like opiates and things like that. Um, and so I think that marijuana just seems to be really accessible to kids mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. You know. um, I think there's a vulnerabil- vulnerability mm-hmm. in parents to sit down and, and talk to the young people, right. but also to say, I don't know. Right. I right. don't know the answer to that. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can find somebody that can help us. Right. Help both of us, like, work through whatever this issue is. Right. Um, but speaking to substance use disorders, because we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, how do you think the COVID-19 is affecting those in recovery? Those who have just oh. started to say that I'm ch- decided mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And then COVID comes and, and interrupts that routine. So yeah. what do you say for those people? I, I think that the hardest thing for folks in recovery um, is that they don't have, again, a place to go to every day to take their mind off of, I mean, because early in recovery, we call addiction an obsession, Mm -hmm. you know, in the 12 step community, that's how we refer to it. We think about the substances constantly, even early in recovery. And so if you don't have your job to go to and kind of get away from just sitting around, I mean, people use out of boredom. Mm -hmm. Um, If I have to sit there and think about how much I want something and can't have it, then what is after after a few days or weeks or months of that, what is stopping me, you know? Um, right now, people can't go to their 12-step meetings. They can't go to their counseling groups. Right. And we do, what we know is that is that groups, the, the efficacy for people in substance use treatment um, in the group setting is just so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, having the community and the relatability is, I, I don't think that anything is as important when you're getting treatment for substance use and addiction, even if you're not in there talking constantly, just being present and feeling understood Mm -hmm. and not judged. Um, So, yeah, I think that the biggest problem for folks is just being kind of isolated. Um, You know, the, the drugs are still available. Mm -hmm. So COVID has not hit that industry. You know, that's the thing. Um, But there, again, there are options. We have meetings on zoom, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got 12 step meetings on zoom. Counselors can still provide 
their their treatment through various form, um, avenues in telehealth. And so what I say to anybody who is in early recovery, um, there are there are tools out there, I promise you. You know, don't I know that it feels different, but part of recovery is learning to adapt and going through transition. And and so it's all about just the way that you are you're approaching this mentally. And, um, you know, it's all about perspective. And that's something that a counselor or your 12 step community can really help you with, you know, and that's something we are focusing a lot in treatment over at Sumter Behavioral Health right now. Our IOP counselor, she does drive bys to go check on her clients. I mean, she is she is she is checking in with them almost daily. Mm -hmm. You know, their treatment has not even slowed. That's awesome. And so, yeah, so so it, it's still going like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But again, just takes a bit of being proactive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, they don't feel like they're alone in it. Mm -hmm. And they also don't feel um, that nobody cares. Because sometimes, right. even without substance use disorders, with anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. whatever, you just feel like you're all alone. Absolutely. But if somebody came by my house just to check in mm -hmm. on me or text, shoot me a text message, just like, how are you doing today? Yep. I feel like that would make me just want to continue want exactly. to fight another day. So exactly. I think that's important. We build, we have awesome. motivation when we know we are loved and we know that we matter. Mm -hmm. We get, we get motivation out of that. And, and, you know, again, that's what I say about the kids that I deal with, the kids who are smoking. Some of them, you know, they say, well, who cares? I care. Yeah. We care, you know? Um, and so the easiest thing we as adults and we as counselors can do is to show that we care, mm -hmm. you know, and we do. And so it's just a matter of, of being who we are, yeah. you know. Yeah, so um, that's all the questions that I have. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I'm good on that. Awesome. This has yeah. been great. Awesome. <laughs> um, I learned so much, and it was just so cool to see somebody that's so excited about uh, counseling and so excited about what they do um, and, and wide open to help during this difficult time. And any time, difficult yeah. time in somebody's life can look different. So um, we appreciate you. Do you have anything else that you want to mention or anything you have to wrap up with? Um, well, first of all, I really just appreciate you guys doing this. Um, and I want to say to the parents and kids out there who are feeling like their heads are spinning and they are so bored just give us a call and see what we've got and that's just, it could be a 10 minute conversation you know if you are feeling like there's anything going on in your life and you are worried about saying it out loud mm -hmm. you have got a totally totally confidential and safe and secure option just right over the phone yeah. All right. Okay. So um, for people who want to follow us on our social media, we are trying to stay as active as we can at Sumter Behavioral Health Services on Facebook. Um, you can also check out our website at www.sumterbhs.org to learn more about our services, what kind of options we have available for you. Um, and thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.